calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Sweet, the Ladies' Guide to Bro Culture. My name is Gina Bloom, and this is the podcast where I, a transgender stand-up comic currently quarantined in lovely Van Nuys, California, bring on some of my favorite funny ladies onto the pod, uh, onto the Zoom, no longer doing these live uh, in person. Uh, and we talk about the, the, the best, the worst, the strangest uh, things of bro culture that my guests have never experienced before. We bring on another guest that is a designated fan slash apologist, uh, although really no apologies necessary for today's subject. Uh, today we are talking about 1998's multiple Oscar winning uh, AFI all-time 100 best uh, feature films, Library of Congress 1994 inductee, Saving Private Ryan, directed by Steven Spielberg uh, with his receiving his second uh, directing Oscar. Uh, it was a huge hit. Uh, made my dad cry. Uh, so, you know, it, there's really not much uh, not much introduction necessary. It's, uh, it's the story of, an, of a company, uh, an army company I, that has been dispatched to, to save Private Ryan. Uh, there he goes, right there in the title. They, 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 <laughs> land, they land on Omaha Beach uh, for D-Day. Uh, a visceral battle ensues for about 20, 30 minutes. Uh, of screen time and upon surviving that by the you know by the skin of their teeth they are given this assignment to to locate an army private that uh has paratroop behind enemy lines by accident and he is the last surviving uh member of his family his four his three other brothers have have all died uh basically within the same week and the army wants to call him home so that his mother doesn't feel uh any worse than she already does uh there there are some ethical uh quandaries to that particular plot and the and to the film's credit it, they explore that quite at length uh this is what a lot of people consider to be the greatest uh, war movie ever made um let's see here so gene siskel of the chicago tribune at the time says that private ryan accomplishes something that I had been taught was most difficult, making an action-filled anti-war film, or at least one that doesn't in some way glorify or lie about combat. Uh, that was part of the 93% fresh meter on Rotten Tomatoes. There's very few uh, negative reviews, one of which was uh, by Neil Norman of the London Evening Standard, who says at the time, the result is, I am sorry to say, 
Private Ryan seems almost banal in its achievement, a film that sacrifices humanity for technical wizardry. And on the pod today, I'm so excited to have my guests. We have a we have a really interesting, lively crew for you. Uh, I am so excited to bring on my first guest. She's a, she's a new friend from the, the LA comedy scene. We've been sort of floating around each other on the internet. And, you know, here we are uh, from our respective uh, Zoom rooms. Please say hello to the lovely Kari Asad. Hello. Hi. I'm Hi. so happy. I'm excited to be here. And also, uh, I'm a fan of your stand-up, too, Gina. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Yes. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm i curious, though. Like, when did, when did you happen to catch me? Because like, it feels so distant. I think distant. we circled each other around the ladies' mic. At the, at the West Side. Yeah, at West Side. Yes. Okay. And, and uh, I think I've also catched you like at a show. I think I was supporting um, Valerie's show, and I saw you there. Oh, right on. Yes, yes. Yeah. I, I, I love me some Valerie. Yes, she's yeah, been, she's, best. her and Jeff have been on this particular podcast, and she's also been on my stand-up show that I would love to have you guys on someday when stand-up <laughs> returns. <laughs> we, actually, we actually just put our Zoom show on pause for a month, so even that is... Um, even that's waiting for us to get energy back. But uh, joining Kari is uh, another comic. This guy is from the New York scene. And we were also, you know, on shows and floating around each other. And I, I've always wanted him on this particular podcast because for one thing, he seems like a good dude. And we do love, we do love good dudes. But he is also a vet. And given uh, today's subject and the fact that this is Memorial Day weekend, it seems awfully appropriate that we have as our designated apologist, the lovely Pete Stegmeyer. Hey, thank you. Thank you. I, I try to be a good guy. So I, I appreciate that. Yeah. You seem like a, yeah, you're a good dude. Yeah. I, I, you know, we've been floating, we've been in, in the comedy scene together for a little while now. So like if, if, if good dudeness had been not part of your bag, then I think I would have heard. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. It's always like it's always hard because I think the first time I met you is at a roast battle show, like the one of the comedy fight clubs. Oh, uh, I know. Yeah, and then it's just like you're saying the worst things you can possibly say yeah. about other people. Yeah, roast. Uh, you know, you caught me during like the six months that I thought roast battle was like a thing I'd want to do with my life. Like, <laughs> not even it was like one summer. <laughs> like one summer, I was like, yeah, I'll give this a shot. In New York. In New York, yeah, yeah, yeah. we 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 were doing a comedy fight club, which is like the, which is like the the mutant version of roast battle. It's with like even dumber rules. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought about doing like a roast battle episode of of this podcast, uh, bringing someone to a roast battle for the first time and then having them be horrified. But since we're not doing live comedy, that's just gonna have to wait till season three. <laughs> All right, so uh, Cardi, you messaged me over Facebook that this movie gutted you. Please expound upon this uh, as you give us your first impressions of Saving Private Ryan. I just want to say thank you to all the vets who served, and uh, I'm so thankful for your service, and thank you for doing that. And what I'm going to say about the movie does not reflect how I feel about veterans at all, (laughs) but... 
uh, that the minute the movie started, I wanted it to be over. I kept checking the time to see how much was left. My boyfriend joined me a quarter way through, and then we both started freaking out. <laughs> uh, it like, yeah, it didn't waste any time. It no. showed, yeah, it, it really gets right into the guts and men screaming, mommy, um, I'm not a mom, but that affected me. And uh, yeah, I thought I was going to throw up for three hours. And then I thought I was going to throw up, uh, for the rest of the day. Um, so, uh, it really, it made me want to text all the vets I know and say thank you, but I'm always so concerned. I sound like condescending or like not, you know, just like naive and stupid. So I didn't do that, but thank you, my cousins who served and my one friend I had growing up. Um, so, but, uh, yeah, it really, it hit me. I didn't really like, I had a hard time telling the characters apart cause they're all wearing helmets. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point I realized, um, I forgot his name. There's like a really famous actor. He whips his helmet off. I'm like, how long has he been here? I was, <laughs> I was like, is he part of the story? I was like, what? The guy from Liar Liar with Frankie Muniz and Amanda Bynes. Isn't he in it? He like whips his helmet off and I'm like, what the hell? Oh yeah. Oh my God. When did he get here? And then, to, I, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of those that guys that uh, pop up in this movie for like five seconds. Yeah, five seconds. Like Vin Diesel's in it. Vin Diesel. Uh, yeah, I recognized his voice, but his helmet just like cowers over his eyes. And it's not till they pronounce him dead. I was like, OK, I was right. That was that's how I got myself through this movie. I would just like pull up pictures of them and other things like the guy who, <laughs> who like Tom Hanks basically sacrifices. I just pulled up pictures of him as Phoebe's brother. And I was like looking at it as I was watching the movie and I was like telling my boyfriend, Mark, I was like, see, look, he's Phoebe's brother. He's like, I don't, I understand that. He's like, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, yeah, it was actually, I didn't really like Tom Hanks in the movie. I had to keep reminding myself that this was world war two. I think I kept putting myself in the wars we fight today where our, the intention feels murky. Whereas like world war two was like such a straightforward intention. And so, like, Tom Hanks's character does, like, make sense. But, like, I was like, he just keeps leading everyone down this way. And I really was on the crew side in the that scene where they attack that one dude who has all the ammo. I was like, we should, they should keep walking. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it, uh, it made me feel, gut, like, gutturally ill uh, for, like, several hours. <laughs> Oh boy! All right, we got yeah. a lively discussion. <laughs> was not the this is not the reaction that I got out of gutted, but like, uh, no, this this is gonna be a fun one. All right, <laughs> Pete, uh, tell us why you picked uh, Saving Private Ryan. I, I basically gave you all of I basically gave you all of war movies uh, to to choose from. Yeah, that was like that was a like a tough one because it's a it's a big field. Yeah, um, I. Like I really like, like I usually don't watch war movies very often. Like I mm-hmm. like I've seen a lot of people say like, oh, like nineteen seventeen looks like amazing, and it does. But like I would straight up have like a panic attack if I watch that now. Interesting. Uh, Interesting. Um, yeah. But but one of the things that I did like about like this one was like a it came out like I had seen it before I like joined the army and stuff like that. Um, but like when I like keep watching it, it's like one of the few ones that I watch. Uh, somewhat regularly um, because I, I think it was the Ebert quote you said where um, like it does a good job of like 
explaining the war, but it doesn't like glorify anything. And it's just, it's kind of like there and you can like take it. Like I can like watch it as it is, but like, it's not like one of those things where it's like, Oh, this is like so cool. And like everything, yeah. like, cause I don't like, cause like in real life, it's like, war is like super shitty. Um, and, like I, I realize that's like a gross over under, uh, like underselling it. But, yeah, but, uh, but but you have the authority to do that though, because like you you've you've seen it. So super shitty is is an honest response. Yeah, and I and I like that. I like that the, like the war is like something that's happening like secondary to the actual plot, and like that it was like based in history with like the Sullivan Laws, um, because there was like a uh, there were like five brothers uh, from Iowa, I think, that all yeah. died on a battleship. And that's why, like, they made that rule where, like, you couldn't be, like, stationed with your, your siblings anymore because, like, that family lost, like, everybody in one day. Right. Uh, and so I just, I liked the history part of it. And I liked, yeah, I liked that it was, like, showing, like, how bad it could be, but not, but not, like, trying to, like, sell it. Like, because so many of the movies now are, like, recruiting commercials and, like, mm-hmm. that I, I hate. Yeah. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, uh, Cardi, uh, yeah. Interesting. Um, all right, so I'm going to take this a little bit of a different direction then, given your response. Uh, what other have you have you seen a lot of like this genre of film? 
So yeah, so when you put out your post looking for people, I was really hoping to get like Rick and Morty or Save <laughs> America. I was like, please. And as soon as I typed it and I was like, la la la, I was like, I'm going to get Saving Private Ryan. I know I'm going to get it. I don't do well with violence in movies either. Like, so, uh, so uh, yeah. Like my favorite movie is The Birdcage. And so, um, You're not the first person on this show to, to say that their favorite movie is The Birdcage, by the way. We yeah. had someone just like three weeks ago say the same thing. I watch it every year on my birthday and when I'm really, really sad. It makes me feel alive and then, <laughs> I don't know, I want to own a club in a sunny area. Um, but yeah, so no, I don't watch, like I was like, as I was getting it queued up, I was like, Spielberg made it made this i watched war yeah. horse and i survived that you know yeah a little bit different a little bit different experience war horse <laughs> versus private ryan yeah and then uh, i was like i saw a gladiator um but i generally don't i don't like war movies actually because of what pete said about glorified mm-hmm. war and as i was watching saving private ryan i didn't look it up i think honestly because i had i was so kind of um i was so uh, affected that I was like, I don't really want to dig into this movie anymore. <laughs> but I, I was curious, like, to what Spielberg's intention was because I was like, it just made me think a lot about this friend I had growing up who was like into the James Bond movies and like yeah. into uh, like the like, oh man is strong, man go, you know, woman yeah. die in yeah. battle, you know, whatever. And so I just was like, did he see this? Cause he did, he, he was a Marine and he's home now, but I was like, did he see this and think this is what I want? Like, this makes me man, like experiencing that. And so I'm glad to hear that it was an anti-war movie. Uh, cause it definitely, I don't want to, I don't know. Uh, I was glad to hear that was the intention. Um, and I think that's why I had such a hard time digesting the movie while happening. Cause I was like, mm-hmm. what am I supposed to be taking away from this? And, um, and yeah, I think I just honestly kept thinking about that kid I knew growing up. Uh, I was like, did he, did this movie make him go join the Marines like he did? And does that do that to other boys? It just made me want to hug a man and be like, don't listen to them. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I mean, it is an anti-war movie, but it's not an anti-war movie at the same level of intent that like say Full Metal Jacket is, which is Stanley Kubrick's movie about the vietnam war and half of it takes place during like drill instruction and and you do not want to join the military watching this thing but actually a lot of people did they'd watch they watch uh private ryan or they watch full metal jacket and they see how horrible it is and and for whatever reason it's like okay sign me up for this this is this is what i'm looking for so even films that uh profess an anti-war uh you know tone or agenda still get people wanting to join anyway right yeah i have a friend who whose son is in i don't know which branch he's in but he's in the army or marines and he said yeah i think he just played too much call of duty and i was like that game is so violent why do why do they want more of that i don't understand Well that, that all right, well that leads me to, to, to my uh to my next question to Pete. Uh you said you saw this before you joined. Uh that makes sense because it would probably make you like thirteen or you know, nine years old when this came out, so I don't think you could have. But um did films like this you know, influence your decision to to, to enlist or was or was there something else that, that gave you the idea? Um 
you know, it was really, um, I'm, I'm 35. I'm going to be 36 in, okay. um, in July. And so like uh, most of my decision for, um, uh, for joining the army and stuff like that is I, I had like a couple relatives, like a grandfather and an uncle that were in the, in the army. But, um, like when I, my first day of high school or my first day of my senior year of high school was nine 11. So wow. okay, like that was kind of like getting into school and then like seeing that, like as soon as we got there, it was like one of the big things. Like I was, I was in Wisconsin at the time, yeah. um, but that was like one of the big things is I, I had no idea what I wanted to do um, as far as like, like college and stuff like that. Cause I, I wasn't. Yeah. And so that was kind of like one of the big things that, um that motivated me because like i'm like i'm not like a very manly like tough guy like and i wasn't in like high school either like i played like i was like one of those ones that was like like tough by like approximation like i was on the football team but i was the kicker um and and everyone's like oh i bet you're a lineman i'm like no i just i kick the ball like that's that's what i like to do right um and so it wasn't like i didn't really have like a big like macho macho thing with it it was just kind of like well this seems like what what i should be doing my dad uh was a longtime veteran of the navy uh two tours in vietnam and highly discouraged me from doing anything military he was like you're gonna this is not what you want to do he was very skeptical of them but on the other hand he really loved war movies and it was the only thing that we had in common were, were movies. Uh, he was a movie fan. I was a movie fan. Like we had nothing else in common. But I couldn't watch, you know, the Birdcage with him because <laughs> he, <would, laughs> he didn't want to watch that. So uh, yeah, it was it was war stuff. That that was that was kind of like our common ground. So whenever I wanted to bond with my dad, we'd go to the movie theater or I'd, or I'd rent something, and we'd watch, you know, uh, movies. And Private Ryan was one of them. He said that he was a he was a, a gunner on a on a rescue helicopter, and he would just shoot guys indiscriminately while he picks Holy people shit. up. So he he's seen like he'd seen like you know the visceral combat, and even he was like, yeah, that Private Ryan, they, they kind of went a little too far with the violence on that one. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. So. <laughs> Which I, which I thought was high praise to the film personally that this guy who's who's personally you know probably probably shot like 30 people in his life um said that it was it was a little too real for him so kind of the same uh kind of the same uh, experience that you had pete all right let's talk about the film itself uh hopefully without causing any more trauma <laughs> i've already caused but, i mean i could have easily texted you and said hey i can't watch this and turn it off you know? yeah and i would and i would have found another another topic for you i'm not, I'm not gonna be like all right get up the fuck off my podcast then like i'm not an <laughs> my boyfriend was like why are you doing this to us i'm like i want attention on the internet <laughs> all right all right so um so let's let's talk about the film though. It's like 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 we said, it opens on it opens on a high note. Um, depending on your definition of what a high note is, it's the the Omaha Beach invasion. Uh, Captain Miller, played by Tom Hanks, arrives with his crew, uh, and they storm the beach at Normandy, and uh, encounter um, a lot of resistance, a lot of visceral resistance from you know the German regular army. 
and it's chaos. It's it's chaos uh, personified. There's bullets whizzing from every direction. You can't tell one person apart from the other. And I honestly, this movie kind of started that trend of having dudes in helmets, and you can't tell them, you can't tell one guy apart from the other because they represent all one soldier. And like you would see that, you saw that in uh, a lot of movies uh, around that time or after it, like 1917. It's very much, uh, you know, the anonymous soldier trope. Dunkirk, same thing. I think that Private Ryan did that first. Uh, usually in like older war movies, you see dudes with like their names written on the front of their helmet so you can tell them apart um, because they, they wanted to like, you know, oh, this is, this is Wingnut from, you know, from, from Kansas. So, so like they, they made sure that you could, they knew one guy apart from the other. So they spend the first half hour just like getting pinned down and cut to shreds. And uh, it's it's horrible. It's violent. Uh, Cardi, uh, give me. There's not a lot of plot in that first section. Give, give me your your reaction uh, for just that opening sequence. No, I was just like, no. Mm -mm. I was like, nope. Mm -mm -mm -mm. I was like, is this? I was really bracing myself that that would be the whole movie. I was like, is this it? Like, just them? Like, I should have paid attention more to the titles and realized it was D Day. But I was yeah. like, oh, I was like, I was like, oh, are we in Italy? <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, you know, it's World War Two. I was like, I was like petting my ego, like, you know, like, you know, you know history, you know where they are. <laughs> Freaking dumbass. <laughs> so I just, I was really just, uh, I was, I was, I don't think I was feeling sick yet. <clears throat> mm -hmm. I think it was, I think it was a close up of a guy holding his own gut screaming mom. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, I know exactly. Yep. yep. That made me begin to feel sick. Um, and, uh, but when all of that violence happened at first, I immediately detached myself from the movie. I was like, I'm not, I'm not here for anyone but myself is like what I kept telling the screen. And like, especially there's like a character collecting sand. I'm like, I don't care about your character traits. I'm here for myself. I'm not going to get attached to you and your sad story. <laughs> uh, yeah. Far, far from, far from South beach at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there was a guy who's like collecting sand and like labeling, labeling it and yeah. stuff. I think it's Tom Hanks's friend. The, like, yes, one. yes, the Tom Sizemore character, the the yeah. second in charge. So, um, and then, uh, yeah, it was. I don't know. I guess I also it, I felt sick, but also it was like you know I'm just I'm so far left, and I don't. But I'm like I don't. I guess it made me a little great. I'm like grateful to like see into what another. Point of view would be i guess yeah it makes sense i, I mean i you know I, this film is a, is apolitical but um but also inherently kind of conservative because it's a war movie about americans trying yeah. things so yeah it I, I get what you're saying there there's there it doesn't it's not like you're watching um like something like we were soldiers or something like that which is like a very republican film uh this it it, it it does it is inherently sort of like pro America because these are American characters, but it's not it doesn't feel like propaganda, at least not to me. Uh Pete, uh I guess the same question. Uh if you can remember back when you first saw it, like what how did you feel just on the Omaha Beach section? Because that is sort of like the film's calling card. Yeah, I remember I remember the first time that I saw it, I was just I was like blown away by it because I had um 
like I remember like our movie theater um, used to like they would show have the showings and then afterwards they would have like uh, people standing at the doors with like tissues for like uh, and you'd see like veterans like walking out and like crying and stuff like yeah. that and they did um, and I remember thinking that it was like crazy powerful uh, and just yeah just like absolute chaos and like oh my god I can't believe like how did these guys do this and then like uh, watching it again like after after the army I'm even more like and I, I think that's something that's like pretty common with uh with like veterans of the um like Afghanistan and Iraq wars mm-hmm. is like looking back at like Vietnam and World War Two and being like how the hell did you guys do this like because it's like just such a different like such a different experience from like the yeah from like the the way that we fight war now um and yeah just being like overwhelmed and being like you know I I don't think I could do that and just like it really like it really like made me like very self-reflective like the whole Mm -hmm. time I was watching that let's go back to when you got out of the service how did you feel about like war media and things like that you said you were never really much of a fan yeah I I mean there were some that I thought were like there are some movies that I think are, are really good like I and I did like like I love like Tropic Thunder because of like the satire of it yes, all. Yes, yes. Um, but a lot of it, like <laughs> I just can't. I felt like I saw like so much like brainwashing and like cult, uh, mm-hmm. uh, like cult things like in the military that it just like it feels weird to me now to like like that there's this like huge recruiting machine uh, like working through Hollywood and also like sponsoring like NASCARs and stuff like that to like get people to do this that a lot of it, like, if it, like, really glorifies, it just makes it feel dirty. Yeah. And it just, like, it's it's weird because, like, like I, I feel like I joined the military for, like, a pretty, like, clear-cut reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I don't want to get into this, like, whole, like, you know, more pious or, you know, holier-than-thou uh, thing that a lot of people do. But I just like I never really felt like excited about it. It was like, okay, well this is something I have to do, but it wasn't like, but they're like um, a good example, I guess, is when, when I graduated from basic training, like that weekend was the weekend that 300 came out in theaters. And so me and a bunch of like the guys that were in my basic training platoon, like we went and saw it and they're like, they're like cheering and going, Oh, Oh, like, and I'm just like, Oh guys, you are like drowning in the Kool-Aid right now. Like, we haven't even, like, done shit. And, like, I just, like, I didn't get, like, the chest beating of it. And yeah. I'm like, oh, this is definitely just, like, a very tribalistic, like, thing that I'm just, like, I guess I just missed the memo on. All right. Well, this 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 episode has taken a, a really unexpected turn because I, as 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 the transgender person, feel like I'm, I'm being overrun by hippies. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me and Peter are like on the same page. This is why. Yeah, it's just not. Hey, you know we're we're gonna ride the wave. We're gonna ride the wave. That's I. That's right. We're gonna we're gonna take it as it comes. But that is that is fascinating. Um, yeah, I I saw uh Pete when you mentioned Tropic Thunder that Cardi like like lit up. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> it seems like you guys have you guys have a you know like sort of like con complimentary taste when it comes to like taking the taking the piss out of the military taking like you know satirizing it um so i think 
Cardi, like maybe this is a, a, a problem of tone. Like if, if, how would you have felt if this movie were just as violent, but like was something more satirical, like something like, like a Vonnegut adaptation? Yeah, then maybe I think I would have um, kind of not felt so guarded watching it. Mm-hmm. I think, especially the scene where they like gather and realize the mother is receiving the letters and they're like, we got to fix this as a miracle. I was like, fuck, no, they would yeah. not have done that. <laughs> like, I believe a woman would have flagged it and been like, hey, you know, right. we probably shouldn't send all three on the same day. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's yeah. a little bit of bad taste, sure. Yeah. But the fact that all these like men in suits were like, we've got to fix this board for a man. I was like, no, come on, Spielberg. Like, seriously? <laughs> like, that really was the, I think the thing I hated the most about the movie was that scene. But like, um, besides all the violence. But yeah, I think if I understood that it was coming from a place of trying to deter people from war. Um, then I, I don't know. I don't know if it necessarily was. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I think, I think that that's, I think that that's part of it, but I don't think that was the intention of it. I think yeah. that, you know, Spielberg is something of a World War II stan. So uh, I, think he, yeah. I think he definitely wanted to like, you know, do something like this for a long time because he's, you know, he, you know, he had done, you know, all those Indiana Jones movies where he's having, you know, that take place around World War II and he has, he actually did a couple of World War II movies uh, that were not as big, um, like Always or 1941. So I think he wanted to do like a straight up sort of um, like a John Ford, like Longest Day type movie, but also marry it to more of the contemporary like Vietnam type films that he probably saw like his contemporaries like Francis Ford Coppola doing. Mm-hmm. So I think artistically he wanted to like do like a square American version of something visceral and violent and see what he would get out of it. And mm-hmm. most people seem to, to, to like it. I, mm-hmm. I am not here to, to, you know, shit on anybody's personal taste, especially in something as inconsequential as a fucking Tom Hanks movie. Like, like there's, <laughs> there's, there are certainly bigger fish to fry in this world. Um, I, I am not looking forward to the audience reaction uh, on Twitter when I do Rick and Morty next week. So, uh, <laughs> oh my God. So that, that should be fun. Oh, yeah. But um, yeah, I, you know, I think that, I think that it's, I think that we, well, I think your reaction, Cardi, is, is valid. I think from what I'm gathering, from just reading between the lines a little bit, that because you're so skeptical of, you know, white male military authority that the fact that it was sort of uncomplicated good for the most part like they like they they definitely questioned the logic and ethics of the order mm-hmm. but nobody but everybody seemed to come from a place of of like genuine concern like there was no one that there was no scene of this guy saying well this is just horrible publicity like there there was no there was no villain figure within the within the power structure they whether or not the wisdom of this choice something anyone would agree with who knows but um but the 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 military authority you know were they were all they were all good dudes basically they were all like they all just you know they were all like yojo and wanted to like make sure that um that you know um god this is so weird I, i i don't mean i don't mean to interrupt myself but this is so weird that i'm I'm playing devil's advocate for the military. (laughs) 
I don't, I guess like, I think because I kept thinking of it as like the wars in Afghanistan or Iraq, where there's a lot of, um, like apprehension as to like why we're there. It, Mm -hmm. I felt, I definitely felt like I was kind of judging everyone in the movie wrong. Like I had to keep pulling myself out of today's wars. And remember this was like a very different time with like a very clear evil thing happening overseas. Yeah. Uh, Uh, Pete, uh, real quick, just, uh, what's your reaction to that though? Like you, you were in those hard to define wars. Yeah, it was, you know, it's, it's weird because like, uh, I did two deployments in Afghanistan and like the first one was like 2008, 2009. And that one, like, that one seemed like pretty, um, like we were, we were trying to like, we'd, we'd go around villages, but like we, but it was like, it was weird because we were just occupying. We weren't really, yeah like, especially that first one, we didn't really do too many like firefights and stuff like that. Like it was basically the Taliban would like put IEDs in the road and try to get us. And then we would try to get the Taliban as they were doing it. But other than that, like we were just kind of like talking to like villagers and stuff like that. And nobody really like, yeah, it was, it wasn't like as, it wasn't like, Oh, we have to get the city. Um, and then we can like push the the line back and stuff like that. So like, that was a lot different. And then, on the second one, like halfway through, uh, halfway through my second deployment, Bin Laden was killed. Right. And I remember like kind of thinking like, are we done now? Like we, we did what we were supposed to do. Like, am I going home early? Uh, because at that point, like at that point, shit, that was 2011. We'd been there for 10 years. And it's like, why are we, and everybody was kind of like, why are we still here? And like, I was, I was lucky to not go to Iraq, but like most of my friends that went there, like they didn't, be- uh, they didn't believe the WMD stuff, but they were just like, this is, this is dumb. Like we shouldn't be here. It was a weird time in history. And then to watch this movie that I think that one of the things that people liked about this movie at the time, and they still do is that because it is uncomplicated. Mm-hmm. And that Definitely. we had, and that we had grown up, you know, for decades with complicated, morally ambiguous warfare, and then like, oh, here's this thing. Okay, Tom Hanks is it's Tom Hanks. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Hanks wouldn't do us wrong. I was yeah, I was cussing out Tom Hanks the whole movie. like. Now <laughs> you open your freaking mouth and make me fall in love with you, you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, all right, Card is a good, it's good, it's a good question. Uh, let's talk about let's, let's talk about the ethics of this of the whole plot of this film. Uh, they're 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 to save Private Ryan and like to save one guy, and they sacrifice like five, including Tom Hanks himself. Um, did that detract from the message of the film? I do feel like that that question comes up a lot in the movie, like especially after Phoebe's brother dies. Sorry, I don't know yes. the character's name. Um, like they're really like fuck off, Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> and then you see Tom Hanks cry, and I was like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm on their side, Tom Hanks. I was like yelling at the TV the whole time. Um, so I feel like they definitely bring up that question a lot, especially like the men who have been picked to go on the journey. Um, I feel like, I feel like my thought on it is that they want you to feel like to really think about it, I guess. I think that they do. Yeah. I I don't, 
but you know you get to the end of the film and he's and you know tom hanks is dying he grabs um you know matt damon he says earn this uh uh basically mean earn the deaths you know earn the the basically the gift that these five guys that lay down their lives for him i don't know though uh Pete, how do you feel about the ethics of this of the whole plot of this film that's you know that's that's the million dollar question because I, I i think for the most part i i agree with the um with the idea of like having to do like the sacrifice for a greater good to like mm-hmm. save save this family and um and things like that and it's it's weird because then man this is like therapy today because <laughs> like uh like i was i was over in afghanistan too like i feel like i feel like shitty war forrest gump right now um but when uh Bo Bergal went missing uh yeah like he went awol and there were uh there, i mean hundreds of patrols like done to try to find him and i th- I believe six people ended up losing their lives, like looking for him, even though he had like willfully like gone off to the Taliban. Right. And everyone kind of being like, you know, that's, that's not worth it. Like we shouldn't save any, like we shouldn't sacrifice anymore for, for this guy who like everybody had known was a deserter. And like, and I kind of agreed with that mm-hmm. um, because because of the fact that it was like, obviously like I want everybody to be able to come home, but if you're going to like desert, then, you know, it's not, it doesn't feel fair to like, you know, somebody like lose their dad or their husband or, or whomever. Right. Um, and, but like this, this, I get, I guess felt a little, a little bit more like, like straightforward and yeah. Yeah. I did appreciate Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say I did appreciate, you know, that there, um, that especially World War Two, like things like did seem simpler. Like it was like the the battles were more complex, but it was like right. we have to stop this like unfathomable evil, and if we don't, then nobody will, and it's gonna be the basically the end of the world. Whereas it was very different, like with us versus the Taliban, because they were a bad group, but mm-hmm. they wouldn't have been in the villages unless we were there. Right. So, like, we're trying to fight them, but if we like just left, like, they probably would have just, you know, gone back to farming. The Taliban were not good dudes at all. Uh, oh they yeah, definitely. They definitely like committed a lot of like atrocities. Uh, I think that you know, I think the Afghanistan theater was a lot easier to digest than like the Iraq one, where you know, also Saddam was like, also not a good dude, but like the the reason for being there much more ill defined. I want to jump into a clip. Uh, I I have avoided clips uh, mostly for Cardi Sanity. Oh, okay, do what you <laughs> no. need. To. <laughs> no, 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 no. I this this is a dumb comedy podcast. I I don't. <laughs> the last thing I want to do is like people to come with bad vibes. I do have a clip, a, a non-violent clip, uh, and it does get into the other characters uh, besides Tom Hanks and and Matt Damon's character. Private Ryan hasn't shown up at this point yet, so uh, it does there's not a lot of characterization like the characters are pretty sketchily defined like there's you know there's this seem seemingly three out of five you know new york city boroughs are represented and then um like there's like pacifism represented romanticizing more than he learns you know the, the how rough it really is that's the the skinny guy that is like the interpreter 
So you, you get the vibe of all these characters very quickly in this section. And I wanted to, um, I wanted to get away from like the, the griminess of the film and talk about, you know, the characters such as they were. So we're going to watch this clip. This is the, this is the gripe session scene from Saving Private Ryan. Where's the sense of risking the lives of the eight of us to save one guy? 20 degrees. Anybody want to answer that? Drive it. Think about the poor bastard's mother. Hey, Doc, I got a mother, all right? I mean, you got a mother. Sarge has got a mother. I mean, shit, I bet even the captain's got a mother. Well, maybe not the captain, but the rest of us got mothers. There's not a reason why there's but to do and die. What the fuck is that supposed to mean, Corporal, huh? We're all supposed to die, is that it? Nothing's talking about our duty as soldiers. Yes, sir. We all have orders and we have to follow them. That supersedes everything, including your mothers. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Even if you think the mission's FUBAR, sir? Especially if you think the mission's FUBAR. What's FUBAR? Oh, it's German. <laughs> yeah. Never heard of that. <laughs> sir? I have an opinion on this matter. Well, by all means, share it with the squad. Open my way, thank you, sir. This entire mission is a serious misallocation of valuable military resources. Now, go on. Well, it seems to me, sir, that God gave me a special gift, made me a fine instrument of warfare. Driving, pay attention. Now, this is the way to gripe. Continue, Jackson. Well, what I mean by that, sir, <laughs> you used to put me and this here sniper rifle anywhere. Up to and including one mile of Adolf Hitler with a clear line of sight, sir. Pack your bags, fellas. War's over. Amen. Oh, that's brilliant, Bumpkin. Hey, so, Captain, what about you? I mean, you don't gripe at all? I don't gripe to you, Riven. I'm a captain. There's a chain of command. Gripes go up, not down. Always up. You gripe to me. I gripe to my superior officer. So on, so on, so on. I don't gripe to you. I don't gripe in front of you. You should know that as a ranger. I'm sorry, sir, but, uh... Let's say you weren't a captain, or maybe I was a major. What'd you say then? Well, in that case, I say this is an excellent mission, sir, with an extremely valuable objective, sir. Worthy of my best <laughs> efforts, sir. Moreover, I feel heartfelt sorrow for the mother of Private James Ryan. I'm willing to lay down my life and the lives of my men, especially you, Ryden, to ease her suffering. <laughs> He's good. I love him. All right, that was the gripe session uh, with you know uh, a, a lovely air kiss by Vin Diesel at the end. Uh, <laughs> can't argue with those results. Uh, Pete, uh, quick question for you. Um, so the the character of uh, the interpreter, uh, played by Jeremy Davies, his whole thing is he wants to have a bonding experience with the men. He he takes a sort of romantic view of war, so he he. You can see in the clip, you can't hear it because we're on audio for the listeners, but you can see him really eating up this moment. Um, and then, of course, you know, half these guys die and then he, he ends up, you know, both getting his friend killed and then murdering, uh, you know, someone that he thought was his friend. So uh, without getting into the plot specifics, uh, did you have this sort of impression when you were joining up that you would get this kind of camaraderie and did, and did you get it? Yeah, I, you know, that was like one of the things that um, I didn't join like for that reason, but it, it happens like pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, like even, even guys uh, 
like guys that I went to like basic training with. Uh, like I haven't seen God now in 15 years. Um, like we, we did like three months together for basic training and like the camaraderie like goes really quickly. Like, and I think that that's like anytime that like you can share a hardship with somebody, you're going to get, get that like camaraderie like that much faster. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't think that anything like, I don't think I've ever had a relationship like I do with like a lot of the guys that I was, that mm-hmm. I was in with. And like, even the, even the ones that like, God, this is going to sound so corny. But Go even the it. ones that like you you don't like uh, necessarily like you still like love and like there's like like I would like run through like machine gun fire for any one of them and like I wouldn't do that for like most people that I know on the street like I wouldn't do that for some of my family. I think that's also part of the appeal of military movies uh, beyond you know the visceral sort of like macho thing that you you basically get a cheat death. Yeah, I, I get that. You know that's why. That's why men are so, why straight men are especially so drawn to this sort of thing. Uh, Cardi, watching that clip, uh, how did you feel about this particular scene and and your opinion in general on like military films and the military in general? Because you've you've got a lot of like very visceral reactions to the violence, but what about something like this? Yeah, I think my first thought was like, um, was like. I guess I was like Tom Hanks is like he's just like you know I'm happy to lay down my life and everyone's like yeah that's a good point and I was like what that's the end of the discussion like he barely like took his cigarette out of his mouth to finish saying that and everyone's like yeah, you know what I forgot about that point let's all just keep walking like um <laughs> but I mean that's that's the part of the training though you're supposed to be like oh yeah you're right that's what we're, that's yeah. what we're here for yeah, and also he like names one specifically who he'd be happy to lay down the line. <laughs> get taken out. The guy who asked the question. Yeah, so it's like, um, yeah, I don't think I would have been a good fit for the military, obviously. Um, but uh, I, my elbows pop too when I exercise. Yeah. Um, yeah, I de- I definitely was. I felt. I think I felt. This, I think I was still so shocked by that scene where the men in suit decide they're going to sacrifice a bunch of men for this mom at home. Right. I was kind of on a tangent. I was like, a woman only gets respect if she's a mom. I guess got a ghost. You know, I don't know. Um, I, that's. But that's that's. <laughs> I mean, that's not invalid. Of course, this is a. This is a movie, but almost no women in it whatsoever. But uh, yeah, I appreciate up until Matt Damon's horrific story about that girl they. <laughs> Yeah, that wasn't good. That wasn't a good look, you guys. Not even not even ninety eight. They like in the barn unconscious. I was like, shut up, Matt Damon. I almost liked you. Um, yeah, I don't. I think I was like, you, no, Spielberg. I think I was yelling at Spielberg in my head the whole time, and I was like, why do we let Tom Hanks get away with this? Uh, yeah, that was my reaction. <laughs> it's a Pete. Same question. Uh, do you feel do you feel similar or, or how do you feel about tom hanks's rationale in this scene i i honestly loved it like um i i thought that um i thought that he did a really good job of being the kind of officer that i would have liked mm-hmm. in in the military because i think and i think it was a little different in like world war ii obviously uh but like I appreciated that he kind of just like treated them like adults, and like that doesn't happen very often in yeah. in the military. Like um, like when I was in South Korea, like we had a bedtime, and I'm like, 
you know, like you, you like trust me with a grenade launcher. Like I can stay up past eleven. And so, like anytime that like you get like, because I know that he's like he's putting out you know like well like we can't question orders and stuff like that. But he's like he's doing it in a way that like is very clear that like he respects his men and yeah. is still still kind of like you know like we have to do this. Like I understand your concerns and your gripes and stuff like that. Like he made, he made himself like seem approachable. And like, I had a couple good, good officers. I had a couple like really bad officers. Mm. So I, I think, I think he hanks to me and he's just like, Oh, like, <laughs> like kind of like, uh, you know, I wish, I wish you were my officer, but I did, I did really like that. And I thought that that was like a good bit of like banter that kind of, uh, that I think did more to humanize a lot of those guys than, a lot of the other exposition in the movie. Yeah, I agree. That's why I picked that scene because you know the, they're a little programmatic in most other scenes, like especially like Edward Burns' character because he he literally has Brooklyn written across his back as like a character trait. <laughs> <laughs> and like, yeah, like that scene in particular felt looser and more natural to me. Uh, I also thought, you know, when I watched this movie, in, you know, years ago. I wasn't really all that impressed with Tom Hanks's performance. And I know that uh, he had gotten one of his Oscar nominations, but like, I didn't think there was much to it. I, you know, I was a much bigger fan of his work in like Forrest Gump a few years earlier, but then, you know, watching it now, like it, it really is like this really warm, natural uh, performance that is deceptively hard to give without getting like maudlin or like, or Pat or anything like that. Like he, he definitely plays it where you might not agree with the ethics of what he's saying, especially if you're not a military person, but like he definitely, he definitely hangs to me as well. I, I was, I was, you know, I, I was all for it. And like it, it, it made me want to be like a better authority figure to like, to like younger queer people and younger queer comedians. So like now, now I want to hanks my world. <laughs> <laughs> is what happened. I want to go out and be a benevolent figure uh, in this hostile world. Um, so thanks, Tom Hanks. You, 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 you've done good there. All right, we do need to wrap this up. Uh, we're about at the end of our hour. Cody, give me your final uh, summation. Uh, your opinions have been pretty clear, but um, <laughs> wrap it up. Let's sit. Let's talk. Let's. How do you feel going forward? Are you just going to put this out of your mind and, and never speak of it again or, or, or what? How do you feel? I think ultimately I'm thankful because I don't, I guess I'm, like I said, I'm so far left and yeah. um, I'm very far left. I wouldn't say like, I would never say like, Oh, we should get rid of the military or something naive like that, but I am nice. very far left. So I am thankful, I guess, to, I guess kind of get, into the mind's eye of someone who grew up really different than me and um you know might be programmed differently than me is what i ultimately will take away from it i don't think i'll ever sit through it again and i hopefully i definitely forget some of those scenes but um yeah i think ultimately i, I just uh feel thankful for the different kind of point of view and also just like more especially M memorial day weekend just remembering exactly why we have it so yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's easier to to you know think about World War II in context of Memorial Day weekend than you know something like Vietnam. Like like my dad, he never like 
he never got misty eyed on this weekend. He was like, he's like, Oh cool. It's a day off work. Like he, he didn't, he didn't have a real connection to the point of the, the holiday versus his experience. But uh, Pete, same question. Uh, your summation, you just watched this again. You've had this discussion with, you know, with, with your fellow Pinko Kami. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how do you feel moving forward? Oh, you know, I, uh, I have to say like, I, I forgot, like, I, I knew it was a good movie. I forgot, like, how good it was for, like, a lot of, I, I guess, unexpected reasons because yeah. of, like, the way that it does things. But then also, like, from, from like, the technical, um, like, standpoint, like, that first scene, like, uh, this, if I can go off on, like, a tangent for, yeah, a, go for it. a quick second and tell sure. a war story. Yes, absolutely. Uh, 